This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, yeah. It's the third and final hour of the Lori and Julia radio show. And on Wednesdays in that third hour is when we play a little game called... Uh, Pop Culture Jeopardy. Yeah. We still call it Jeopardy, even though I don't make you answer. We don't Jeopardy question. it up. Okay. No. I don't put you. It's in the low J version of yes, Jeopardy. Yes, it's low Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. That's low Jeopardy. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, the theme today is uh, pop culture presidents. Oh, okay. These All are, right. These are fictional presidents in uh, movies and TV. And whatnot. Uh, we'll see which. We'll see how you do. All right. Okay. We'll start with a few of them have uh, sound clips, okay. including this first one. I'm going to play a sound clip from a movie, and this was uttered by President James Marshall. We'll see if you know this one. Get off my plane. <laughs> he said that during the fifth highest-grossing film of 1997. Harrison Ford. Yes. And yes. what movie was it? President one or something. I don't have to. Why do one president? President down. (laughs) These are all come on. I got the damn name. It does have the number one in it. I can't even. Air Force One. There you go. Get off. Get off my plane. Yeah, he does have a distinct. He does have a yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, we're gonna move to television now. On this 2003 television show. Well, the the show lasted longer than just right. 2003. But in this specific season, Glenn Allen Walken, played by John Goodman, was a Republican Speaker of the House who briefly served as acting president when the commander-in-chief stepped aside to deal with his daughter's kidnapping. What show am I talking about? West Wing? Yes. Yeah, I was going to oh guess West Wing. That was such a guess. Yes, I, I didn't watch that show. I but, didn't either. But yeah, President Bartlett... Bartlett. Uh, had to step aside. Yes, and then the vice president was mm-hmm. hadn't been appointed yet. Well, and then somebody deep, died, deep and then John cut. Goodman. I know, but I figured that's if good. I said something with Bartlett, you'd get that. Yeah. So. All right. Here comes another uh, movie clip. This is from a 1996 uh, sci-fi movie, and this is fictional President Thomas J. Whitmore, played by Bill Pullman. We're fighting for our right oh, to live. The Men in Black. Close. Yeah. Men with capes. And should we win the day, <laughs> the Fourth of July will no longer be known as an American Good holiday. Woman, that's right. I know. I don't. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly it's like into a the man night. In black movie. Yeah. We will not vanish without a fight. I got nothing. I got We're nothing going to live on. You might know it at the end. Okay. We're going to survive. Today. 
We celebrate Independence Day. Independence oh, Day. I don't know what it is. They say the name. But I was getting. I was getting yes. it. I got it. All right. Very good. All okay. right. Two to one, maybe. Is that mm-hmm. what we got? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the 1993 Ivan Reitman comedy, Dave. Kevin Klein. Okay. Yes. I loved it. Oh, I was going to just. I've been ready to say Dave. Kevin hey, Klein. I love that. And I just watched that movie like a month ago. That is a great movie. It is. It's a great movie. It's an it underdog. It's a good feel good movie. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, way to go, Dave. The Gordon Weaver is in it. It's a good movie. Yeah, the president dies and his lookalike. That's that's confirmed until they can figure out how to deal with his death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, two to two. All right, here we go. Um, Number five, uh, President Mackenzie Allen was the fictional female president on the 2005 ABC. Gina Davis. Yes, Gina Davis. Oh, I got it right. Commander in chief. What did you yell, Lori? Bellamy Young? No. Okay. She was on Scandal. Yeah. It was Gina Davis. That was a good show. What was it called? Commander in Chief. I guess it was only one season and it got canceled. You did. You didn't watch that? I Mm -hmm. thought it was good. Okay. We're talking. I've got Gina Davis eyes. Yeah. (laughs) She's got Gina Davis (laughs) Davis eyes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh Pop culture presidents, moving on, number six. Who played the sleazy U.S. president in the 2003 Billy film? Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. What he, was the movie? I don't even know what it was. Na- Love, Love Actually. Oh, you're right. Uh-huh. And you're he's right. like a Texan. Yes, he, he was is. so good in that role. He was. Yeah, and he pisses off Hugh Grant. Yeah, he does. He, like, basically, Prime Minister of England at the he time. He grabs Natalie without her permission. That's right. It's a good good memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Three to um, three, Julia. This mm-hmm. is very exciting. Right, we got a couple left. I might have a. We're going to need the vice yet. president to break the tie if, <laughs> if that right. happens. All right. I will play a soundbite. Uh, can you name the actor who played well, uh, President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho in the 2006 movie Idiocracy? I give you my word. <laughs> Oh, Jamie Foxx. No, um, he I, is um, a uh, former professional football player who's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, oh, the guy. Oh, what oh, is his name? Oh, I know his name. Case Chance. No. He's got a C Stop name. Talking. You're right. No, it's a C name though. It is a C yeah. name. It's like um Oh yo 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 yo. I was just thinking about him the other day because someone talked about we were talking about someone grabbing someone's balls. We were just talking yeah, about this yeah. in the double wide today yeah, about how offensive people were and his agent grabbed his balls. Right. Yeah, and he, he and he wanted to sue, but he didn't talk about it till later when the Me Too thing came out and he was the first Me Too male. You were Very close. Oh, there we go. Julia did all the work. I did all the work to get us there. I should get a half point. I'll give it to you, Laura. Okay. I, I knew it was a C, but I It was really a T. No, Cruz. Cruz. Yeah, but right. I was thinking first name. Oh. Yeah. That's true. But it got us there. I mean, Thank you for the clues. They were good ones. The answer came. (laughs) They were good clues. I'm going to be better. Maybe at charades, I'm the clue giver. Okay. Okay. Four to three. This is very, very tight. I feel like I could get a quarter of a point on that one. Okay. Who played fictional president Jack Stanton, a thinly veiled homage to actual president Bill Clinton 
in the 19... 19- John Travolta. Yes. Primary Colors. Yes, 1998 damn. movie, Primary Colors. Didn't Michael Douglas play a president in something? Yes, yes it was the American president. Yes, with yes, Annette Benning. That's a good movie, too. Yeah, it's kind of a fun rabbit yeah. hole to go down. Julia's had Michael Douglas fictional. written down on the top of <laughs> I her I had sheet. Dave, yeah. Michael Douglas, <laughs> President Bartlett, Martin Sheen. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll play just one more clip. See if you can name okay. this fictional president. I don't mean this to sound insensitive, but don't you think that mudslides are the funniest kind of natural disasters? <laughs> Tina Fey. I've always been partial to sinkholes. You know? Tina Fey from the Vi- <laughs> Veep. Who's the president? Oh. Who's the Dunkirk? Dreyfus? No, but who's yes. the president? Yes. I said it already. Well, no, it wasn't Tina Fey. Oh, I meant Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, well, I suppose you should get a quarter point for that. <laughs> I meant it. Yeah. All right. Well, well that was go. a tight We're going to tell you something about Julia Louis-Dreyfus because I heard her on something. And she is looking for her next great thing. She mm-hmm. said, I don't know how to do anything else but this. Right. Act, produce. She's so good. I don't want to direct it all, but I'm looking for my next great thing because I love working. Yeah. And um, she went from Seinfeld to the new old Christine, which was, which was a funny, if funny show. If people can find where that is, that is a great, great show. Great show. And then she went to, to Veep. Veep and, and now she's yeah. she's looking. And then she had the breast cancer stuff yeah. going mm-hmm. on. And she's fine and everything's good. And she just said, I need my next great thing. I'm looking for it. So if anyone is a writer in the Twin Cities and you've got next great things, send it to, not Tina Fey, send it to her lookalike, <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And she said her dad is not a billionaire. That is a he was very wealthy, but he was not a billionaire. Oh, and she wanted to correct people. Oh, she did on that right. one. But boy, she's likable. Those were those were good ones. You know, these are these are good movies, and they're a lot of them are feel good movies. Okay, let me update. And if you, you go and watch the first Veep episode, even it's hysterical. It's very. If you very need funny. to laugh, you know, you're done with Poop's Creek. Veep would be one. It's a good one to yeah. go back to. Okay, so the Hollywood Thanks, Reporter uh, is reporting today that it only took Lionsgate one week to decide um, that they wanted Josh Dumal instead of Army Hammer okay. in this J-Lo movie. He pretty much has the job, but they're doing negotiations. Sure. And, um, and J-Lo was like, she had a say in who was chosen, and his name came up immediately. Is Josh what, Dumal? Josh Jamal. Lori couldn't be more happy because she wants a showman's to happen between Josh Mel and J-Lo so bad. And who isn't a fan of who wants to win a date with... Tad Hamilton. That's right, Julia. Me, me, me and you and J-Lo and a lot of other That's people. That's a great movie, too. Yes, and he's in it. We yes. thought he was going to... So Shotgun we, Wedding yep. is about two people. So J-Lo and Josh Mel, so much better than J-Lo and... J- yeah, Army Hammer. They're just, like almost a twenty-year yeah, age difference. I, I didn't like that. No. And then their whole so they go on a destination wedding. They don't. They both have cold feet, but they go through with it anyway because the family and friends are there. Right. And then she falls in love with her fitness instructor. No, the whole family gets taken hostage. Oh, is that what it's about? I thought she fell in love with her fitness instructor. No. Is a baseball player show up who takes steroids? No, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but I don't know when this takes place. And well, it what hasn't time been period. filmed yet. No, I know. It's very, they're like planning on shooting in March, and that's right. why they wanted to... Uh, we could use some new movies. Netflix promised us a new movie every month. Yeah. Did anyone watch the Anne Hathaway caper movie? 
You know, that just came out is, do we have an interest? Uh, no. Not really? No one? Bueller? No. Hello? The movie that uh, I'm interested in seeing is Pieces of You. They said, give Vanessa Kirby the Oscar oh, already. Wait. She plays Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. I don't know. This is the one with Shia LaBeouf. But he doesn't he, play Margaret Thatcher. She played uh, oh, Queen she played Elizabeth's Queen sister. Margaret. Or yes. Princess Margaret. Thank Sorry. you. Um, anyway, it's about a woman who has a baby at home, and apparently it's like quite a Oh, Lori, you love scene. that. You love birth. You love natural births. I bet if they take you down to the bottom, I this can't is think it. of I'm how much you s- love it. No, th- this is, <laughs> might be a s- triggering sad movie because of the content, so Google it first. Okay. Something... Tragic happens. Yes. So that is she happening. Drums. Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. People yeah. are loving that movie. All right. It's getting very good reviews. And I can recommend the movie Uncle Frank with Paul Bettany. What's that about? It's about um, kind of a coming of age story uh, in a certain, maybe it must be the, um, yeah, it's 1973 when. You know, gay men had to keep their lives, or gay oh. women had to keep their lives hidden. And, and the down low? The girl, mm-hmm. the one niece is like, she's crazy about her Uncle Frank. He's oh, the, the greatest the most guy. most fun yeah. guy. Oh, anyway, I love just that. like a family story. All right, we got to go. We've got the dirt alert. All right. This is a My Talk dirt alert. All right, Holly. You got some good dirt for us? Well, we've got some dirt, that's for sure. Okay. So let's start with a little dirt concerning Countess Luann, Luann de la Seps from the Real Housewives of New York. She was pictured partying maskless with a group of friends in Florida yesterday afternoon, just days after filming on the set of The Real Housewives of New York, which was, by the way, shut down due to a positive COVID-19 case among cast members. Um, So she's enjoying her sobriety. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she's in Florida. She's, you know, she was at a place called... Portisole, Miami, and she was with a big group of friends. Looks like they were having dinner and celebrating something. But yes, there is no social distancing, no masks, no anything like that with that picture that was shared on Instagram. And she was with Marisol from the Real Housewives of Miami. Oh, Mama Elsa. oh, I don't know Marisol. Okay, yeah. gotta love that. Lori, your microphone yeah. is on. Lori's <laughs> just talking and talking <laughs> and talking. Who's <laughs> Yeah, all right. From the Real Housewives of Miami. Okay, got it. Yeah, they were doing the thing that we all, that you guys have said you wanted to do during yeah. today's show, singing karaoke and dancing yes. with pink balloons. But I'm jealous. They got a head start, but not yes. right. Yeah, we're not really doing that right okay. now. Okay. Can- all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Countess Luann, have a nice day. Um, let's move on to a little bit of gossip, a little bit more Bachelor gossip. So the news broke yesterday that Claire Crowley and Dale Moss broke up. Not a big surprise. No. Right. So his people are using People Magazine to talk, just saying, like, look, it wasn't the right time. And now apparently Claire is devastated after Dale ended the engagement. It was, I thought she ended it in something we read no, yesterday. He, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dale Moss wrote that or on social least, media. Yeah, I, I don't know. She, I, listen, she would have been an exhausting person <laughs> to be involved with, too. Yeah, <sighs> sounds really like was. it. Kidding. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she was already engaged to somebody that she met on the Bachelor Winter Games. Yes. And then that ended less than a year than it happened. And it ended the same year that that engagement happened back in 2018. (sighs) Then she was brought on the Bachelorette and then she ran away with Dale after a couple of weeks on the show. Now the source telling E! News that she's trying to focus on herself but is completely devastated and that Claire is currently in Sacramento, California, taking care of her mom. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Remember when there were paparazzo photographs from Sacramento, California, getting some really natural, authentic, out in the wild shots of Claire Crowley. We're done with her. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. Don't you think? Very much. Very much done. I don't. She's she's exhausting. Well, there's really not much more to say. I think it's like, well, your time in Bachelor Nation, usually there's a tenure involved. And I think for her. That time has come to an end. Now, somebody who is just hanging on, we're going to stay in Bachelor Nation here for a hot second. Somebody who is just hanging on for dear life to their 15 minutes of fame from The Bachelor is Colton Underwood. Isn't he? Oh, wow. Really? Really, really. So Colton Underwood, former Bachelor star, is opening up about the end of his relationship with Cassie Randolph. So this is a new added excerpt from his book, The First Time, Finding Myself and Looking for Love on Reality TV. So I thought it was the first time he lost his virginity. <laughs> that's the subliminal message in that because he was our virgin, right? That, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah that's totally the first right. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, wink, that, wink. yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. And so he's opening up about the end of his relationship with Cassie Randolph. Yes, that same relationship where they were in court with restraining orders because he was a creep to her, going to her family house in California, and essentially paraphrasing, like doing some things that are not appropriate that you go to court for to get a restraining order. So this is why it's, you shouldn't wait till you're like 28 to, to lose, lose your, your virginity. virginity. Oh, my goodness. There's too <laughs> much baggage with that. I was 21 and I felt like I had so much baggage. Right. Like it was so much pressure. Sure. Just deal with it. <laughs> Just go out and yes. take care of it. Well, right. I suppose, you know, the expectations. Oh, and, and Exactly. You're totally right. The baggage that's involved oh when, when, you know, what, what baggage is there to be had? Well, apparently... Maybe a child. I mean, <laughs> right. well, that yeah. Is that. That, there's that. Just that baggage, but whatever. But outside of that, I yeah. mean, it's just, you know. So uh, Colton Underwood, from the excerpt from his book, which, by the way, was released last spring. This is an amendment to a book that nobody 
asked for and probably wow. nobody read. So he's opening up about their problems that Colton had spent time quarantining and recovering from COVID at Cassie Randolph's parents' house. So he says, after more than a month of being cooped up in her family's home, both of us were feeling overwhelmed and smothered and eager to return to our respective apartments where we could enjoy our own space before we left. Though she took me aside and told me she was struggling with everything in our relationship and didn't know what to do. Hmm. Yeah, so he said, my head, spun, my head spun like one of those characters in a cartoon. She was struggling with everything. And I agreed we'd work through some misfires and... Uh, lately, he said little things where we didn't see eye to eye, but I didn't realize how much those little things had been impacting her. I don't, th this story doesn't really line up with the things that we had no. heard about no, over the right. summer. He's just trying to like probably hang on to like some. Something very boring. Very boring. Yeah. Do you have any updates for us on uh, Banana? Banana. But, you mm -hmm. know, unfortunately, I don't. The last thing that we heard really from page six is that Anna de Armas is looking for a rental in West Hollywood to be as far away from Ben Affleck and, as she can. And she broke up with him over the phone. Yes. Just she, FYI. And yes. she got the at French least, girl haircut. At least she called. Yes. She, got she got the, the French, French girl, girl haircut. haircut. You know, right. the bangs and the bobs. She's so cute. Oh, she is so darling. She and really is. Ben Affleck is at his house in Los Angeles doing the Ben Affleck thing, getting his Dunkin' Donuts delivered. Delivered to his door, <laughs> same as usual. Well, I'm glad he's I'm, having donuts. He's skinny. He, he needs some thin. food. He could use some food. Yeah, you know Ben Affleck. Definitely, you look at the photographs they were published on the Daily Mail. He looks like a person who perhaps is a little sad mm -hmm. and a little stressed yeah. right now. Like you, you were spot on by saying that he's a little sad. And did we we mentioned yesterday that it was probably Casey Affleck that put the cardboard mm -hmm. cutout of Anna de Armas in dumpster? Yeah, he outside is, of Ben's house. He, he's in a movie with Dakota Johnson, so he needed to get his name circulating. They're like, oh, there's a cardboard cutout. Get out there, and we'll let people know it's you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because uh, Dakota Johnson he's got a movie. He's he, got a movie. She's yeah. She's She's doing all the promo. All he's done is carry out the cardboard cutout, and right. his name has gotten out there. Gonna love that. <laughs> and then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was quite the scandal. <laughs> well, I can't stop laughing about what you called me. All the fun names today. I didn't really call you names. I was just... the Hobbit tennis player. Oh. <laughs> a Hobbit, a, a tennis. I... No, wait. Tennis Hobbit, was it? It's, yes, a, ten, a, a Tennis Hobbit. That's right. From far away in a snowmobile suit, I look like the fattest housewife on TV. I, 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 I'm tracking these things for today. You're really twisting the words. <laughs> the dirt and on the my moment. face was dirt from the ground. Is this has been a funny show. All right. What kind of a scandal do you have for us today, okay. honey? Well, I thought that the scandal today, given that... Um, you know, Alec Baldwin, he's, you know, he won't have to go back on SNL and do Donald Trump anymore. I'm happy for him about that. Yes. But he has been, you know, with his wife, Hilaria, and the Twitter, and quitting it again, Whining. and yelling. And I just thought, I need to revisit when he was married, how he and Kim Basinger got together in the first place. Because she's nine years older than he is. They met on the blind date movie, didn't they? They met on the marrying man. The marrying man, I mean. They, they, that's when they'd never mm -hmm. met. They were cast in the marrying man, Rocco, the year is 1990. She's nine years older. The I didn't realize she was that much older. Yeah, the movie's director, 
Jerry Reese told Entertainment Weekly that even before Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin met, Kim had commented on the placement of her and Alec Baldwin's photos alongside one another in his office. And she said, we are going to make a terrific couple. And according to people, Kim and Alec went to dinner to discuss the movie and things quickly turned romantic for Baldwin. At least Kim Basinger remembers in an interview, he kissed me and then asked me if I wanted kids. (laughs) But remember his thing about Hilaria, Mm -hmm. I've got to know you. Mm -hmm. He's, this is, you know, he is a very, you know, he, he feels the feels. Okay. Then, Um, She told, she recalls in this interview that she told him, you're being psychotic. Let's get back to talking about the movie. And then Baldwin um, called his friend, this director that he knew, and he said, she's driving me insane and we're going to get married. This is just from that dinner. Okay. That's how. And then for Basinger, Kim did not really fall for him, but she said she did. They were on their way to the set mm-hmm. for some reason. They were riding together. Maybe they had been dating a little bit while the movie was starting. She saw a dog get hit by a car and run off. And she asked Alec to go after the dog so they could bring it to a vet immediately. And he complied. He told Vanity Fair in 2000, Kim wants you to get out of the car and get the dog on the Hollywood freeway. So you jump out of the car and you get the dog. You carry 16 bags to the airport because she wants chopped almonds on the plane. She doesn't want diamonds and furs and penthouses. She wants chopped almonds. It's 20 degrees below zero. But if Kim wants vegetable soup from the Blah Blah Diner, I put on my boots and go get it because I love Kim. Kim's tastes are very simple, but she doesn't want any of the things anybody else wants. That's a Vanity Fair interview that he gave in 2000 when they're still married. Okay. And they married in 1993, just six weeks after he proposed to her. After they met? Not or, after they met, okay. but very within the year. And Baldwin reportedly planned the entire wedding. She didn't want anything to do with it. She doesn't <laughs> like doing weddings. And it was at his Long Island beach house. Okay. And they had their daughter two years later. And they had 12 dogs. And Alec Baldwin told Vanity Fair in 2000 again that, you know, in the same interview that he loved Kim Basinger because she's so odd. He compared her to a Tennessee Williams character, calling her an absolutely maddeningly peculiar, exotic, lovely person. I mean, gravestone inscription, anybody? Wow. And um, Remember she bought the town. Yeah, and then she bought a town, and then they they wore matching tuxedos one time to an event. I mean, they were really a stunningly beautiful. They couple. were gorgeous. Yep. And you know, one of the people she got over him was with Prince. But I digress. Anyway, in 1994, so the year before they had Ireland, mm-hmm. they headlined SNL. Oh. And their monologue, listen to this, you guys, was a drawn-out bit where Alec Baldwin would drop a deal-breaker about the relationship, and the other would explain why the reveal just made them love their spouse more. So, like, Kim started it. Okay. I have no respect for you as an actor. 
And Alec Baldwin said, the fact that you can be so honest and forthright with me makes on me national TV makes me love you even okay. more. Yep. People were incredibly charmed, and I don't know that there's ever been another married couple, couple that doing did SNL. Co-hosted. Co-hosted. Yeah, okay. That. Okay, and then um, in January of 2001, just less than a year after... Alec Baldwin had gushed to Vanity Fair about his incredible, lovely, amazing wife. She files for divorce. People magazine reaches her dad and they get a scoop because her dad doesn't know he's not supposed to talk. And he says, I've known for a year and a half she was thinking about this. Um, I love Alec. He's the most kind and generous man I've ever known in my life. And he's ever overcome some very difficult things. All but one. Anger. Alec has this kind of anger where he reaches down for something that hurts, something that may have happened a year or two ago, and then abuses Kim with it. This has happened publicly, but it's when it started happening in front of Ireland that Kim finally said, well, I'm not going to put up with that. It, I mean, that's pretty frank for a dad. Anger. How about that? Well, anger. Ugh. Okay. The relationship uh, for volatility didn't come as a surprise because Kim Basinger had told Vanity Fair in 2000, that same interview, because right. she was interviewed a tiny bit, that Baldwin would tell her, I hate you, no, and she'd respond, I hate you back. Not exactly healthy. Another point of contention was their living situation. He liked living on Long Island. They owned a home in a, uh, a Magan set, mm-hmm. but they never bothered to unpack. They would always stay at an inn or a rental house when they went to the Hamptons. She just wasn't, didn't want to commute to Hollywood. Right. To work. And she also didn't want to be trapped out on Long Island. Right. And the divorce and, of course, custody battle turned acrimonious. Baldwin told the New York Times in 2003, two years after Kim filed for a divorce, my ex-wife was never someone I could imagine getting divorced from. My advisors all told me to get a prenup I thought it was forever. I was very naive. Right. And in 2006, Elle was interviewing Alec and said, give a movie title to your romantic life. He chose Psycho. (laughs) And then a year later. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) A year later, the thoughtless little pig, the verbally abusive voicemail he'd left for his 11-year-old daughter was leaked to TMZ as the custody battle waged on. Alec Baldwin's team accused Kim Basinger's camp of leaking the voicemail, a claim that was vehemently denied by Kim, but probably did come from Kim, but maybe no one told her. Right. Uh, The following year, he released a book about his divorce. Parent alienation. A promise to herself. But in the book, he described Kim as the legal equivalent of Munchausen syndrome. Wow. Okay, and um, compared the way he aired a lot of dirty laundry. We're talking about Alec Baldwin and Kim Bassinger. He compared the way she told him she was pregnant with their daughter to someone telling you they'd wrecked the car. <laughs> okay, that we never read that dumb book. And um, she did we not... We talked ap- about it, though. No, she did not appreciate the media spectacle Alec Baldwin gave to their divorce in 2009. Right? She told The Guardian... My private life was made to this public display of God knows what. I chose to keep it as private as I could. Unfortunately, that was not the case for the other half. Years later, Baldwin, in an interview with the Guard Guardian, said it was painful insofar as someone who I thought was incapable of a certain kind of behavior 
wound up being the Marquis de Sade. Oh, jeez. Very dramatic. No He also likened the six years of his divorce litigation to some famous Vietnam War era battle that I do not know how to pronounce. Wow. And, um, yeah, very dramatic, but they did... They have reached kind of a detente. Uh, Baldwin, in 2013, in an interview, said she's one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived. Even divorce doesn't muddy my view of that. And in a 2016 interview with Netta Porter's The Edit, Kim Basinger said they were cool now. And she did make a joke, though, in that same interview. I did this film, The Marion Man, where I met my eventual ex-husband, Alex, but I was teeter-tottering. Because I'd also been offered sleeping with the enemy. Isn't it funny? I turned on sleeping with the enemy and then I went on to sleep with the enemy. Ooh. Yeah. So the grossest anyway. guy was in sleeping with the enemy. Julia Roberts took that and that icky yeah. man. Oh, yeah. I hated him. So the last time okay. that we've seen Kim on screen was in a video for Mew Mew's Icon campaign. Okay. And she was supposed to be dating some hairstylist named Mitch Stone, but status unknown. And uh, Alec appears to be living in a separate house from his uh, Spanish Hilaria. senorita. Mm-hmm. All right, good one, Lori. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I, like we did at the start of our show, you know, it was, you know, inauguration day. And um, I think the last time that I really, like, spent, like, really, like, watched a whole inauguration like I did today was probably when the first time Barack Obama was elected. And I distinctly remember us talking about Aretha Franklin singing, I don't know what song she sang, if it was the Star Spangled Manor. My Country Tis of the America. Okay, but the hat that she wore and stuff. Yes, and we talked about the hat maker and everything. Higher to Heaven Mm -hmm. and all of that. And President Obama writes in his memoir that one of the things that he was kind of crushed by at for the first inaugural was the, the talk was about Aretha Franklin. Aretha and Franklin. not about his speech? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even today, you know, we were just like the fashion, you know, there was a lot of purple because purple is a unifying color. A unifying color. John Bream covered the music and not really the fashion. So I absolutely love what John Bream wrote in the Star Tribune today. Yeah. So the headline is Gaga Garth and J Lo bring unity to Biden inauguration, but it was a National Youth Poet. Poet laureate Amanda Gorman, who is truly unforgettable. Now, Julia, you take okay. Over. So, in in I'm just going to start with um, Lady Gaga sang the national anthem as only Gaga can. Garth Brooks delivered Amazing Grace a cappella. Uh, Jennifer Lopez was in the mix for diversity and patriotism with a mashup of This Land Is Your Land and America the Beautiful, with a spoken sentence in Spanish translated to One Nation Under God with Liberty and Justice for All. Which I did love. Mm-hmm, from the Pledge of Allegiance. And the inexplicable line, Let's Get Loud, from her 1999 hit of that name. Her performance was as unmemorable as Aretha Franklin's rendition of America at President Obama's 2009 inaugura- inauguration was unforgettable. Oh! What was unforgettable, yeah. though, was Amanda Gorman. The what first was unforgettable. Okay, I'm sorry. The memorable performance, so I loved it that her, back to J-Lo, her performance was as unmemorable as Aretha Franklin's was unforgettable. 
Good line, John Bream. I know it. And that, this is why critics, they are good. And then he also writes that the memorable musical performance on Wednesday belonged to Gaga. Mm-hmm. Her treatment of the Star-Spangled Banner was both reverent and Gaga-esque. It was so good. At the I, same I was time, crying so hard when she was She singing. looked amazing. This was no shallow, you know, her song from right. Stars Born performance. It was a star turn. The gold microphone to match her brooch. The Hunger Games evoking poofy red dress and fitted navy jacket. The stratospheric Streisand notes. Mm-hmm. The Broadwayish bravado. The clenched fist while singing the word proudly. And the grand waving of her arms in banner yet wave. Oh, By contrast, Lopez dressed in all white Chanel outfit was stately and understated. Yeah, that was the that mm-hmm. was the right way to dress, especially when you're following Lady Gaga. I don't know. Be- J Lo was just she can't sing. I don't know why people don't know that she's a performer. Yeah, she's not a singer. And by bringing in a lyric, a name of one of her songs, Let's get loud. I just thought that that doesn't belong there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's no audience for her to rock. Let's get loud. Well, but maybe people thought, like, you didn't even know it was from the song until you read about it later. I couldn't stand her performance. And I loved, and and I loved, 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 because I listened to Colleen and Bradley driving into work today. I love them going on about her karaoke. Lori, she stunk. She's not a singer. I, well, How do you follow someone with a voice? You have people who can sing. Julia, we sing in this program well, every we, Friday. It's not our and job. We're ter- but I'm just saying that in the context, I was watching it live. It did not. So was bo- I. It did not bother me. It didn't bother Rocco. I asked Holly about it. You have been infected by Colleen and Bradley's um, because they really have been on the J Lo can't sing for a long time, but and I, I like Lori- her. I have been on the J-Lo Kansing. I went to a concert with you and Julia and Glaces, and Listen, I left. Would I have rather, rather had somebody else sing? Yes, yes, but I don't know. I hate that she brings in her own line. I, I hate her about that. She has to be, she's in so many lanes on Rock the freeway. Way in on she, her this. truck, I'm, her car, she's driving. Here we go. I mean, you know me, I'm pretty cynical, but I watched this and I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing that people are noticing. Garth has gotten earplugs. Mm. Garth has gained so much weight. No, but he's his gotten earplugs. Well, good for him. No, he's gotten yeah, hair. like hair. Good for hair. him. Yeah. Good for him. Everyone should get hair if they want hair. Well, you know it's better what? than having to it's wear it today. It's the number one thing that uh, guys feel bad about themselves is yeah. their hair. Women will feel bad about their weight yeah. or maybe their age, I guess. Men feel bad about their hair and the lack of. You know? Yeah. So Garth has taken some time in the pandemic to well, get some new hair. And he looks good. He looked real good. But and yeah, he loves Trisha's problem cookie. that he just wore his Wranglers. No, that's no, Garth. No, that's so him. That's him. He, I like he got right off of a horse in the back of the White House. Yeah, but he didn't. No, I know. I don't care about that. See? I really... I. Why I, don't you care about that? Because you? he could sing the song he was supposed to sing. 
This was a singing opportunity, not a, a, a spoken word or written performance by J-Lo. Yeah. This is a singing moment. Well, we don't know. I'm fine. Look, at we discovered Amanda. You know, she's like a no, superstar. No, it was great. Well, you asked me. John Bream was so spot on. I yes. love to anything about well, her. Well, you know, you've tried to bring us all down this week I at different times. Stop! Monday and Tuesday. You're remember that? You're trying to bring you down. No, remember that You're when hysterical. you were on Monday you with your bloom. How many times did she remind us? Monday. I'm I trying to make you laugh, Lori. You've called me a tennis hobbit and a fat <laughs> snowmobile person today. Who's bringing who down on this show? You called me the abominable snowman. I didn't I mean, call you the abominable snowman. Who's bringing who down? I'm just saying. If people could hear what Lori says off the air, oh. she agrees with everything. Julia, just say it. I just won't agree. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm kidding. Damn Is it. it time for the show to be over? About no. 30 seconds. She's been so ready to leave, like since five. You've been ready well, to go ever play since tennis. You called her a tennis hobbit. No, yeah. no, no. And this, said she looked no, like the no from far gargantuan. away. You look like the fattest housewife no. of Salt Lake in a Do snowmobile. Do I look suit? like Heather Gay? And I said from far, far away in on a, a snowmobile. No, you said in a snowmobile suit. Mm-hmm. They're far away, which means you look large and bubbly and puffy. Yeah, but That's she's your saying your puffiness would be the snoo- the suit, the not suit. your body. Yeah. But she's lying. No. I know, Lori. It's Lori, the hair Rocco, and the eyebrows. we've worked together for 30 years. <laughs> I know her inside out. She knows I meant it. She meant that it. Way. She meant In it. In the way so, I said it. No, you're so funny. Have a good night, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Job done. Off you go. I... I-